Have you moved office yet? <sighs> no. No, Mike, I have, I have not. Did we give a name for our friend, our, our next-door neighbor friend? We, have we got a name for him? He doesn't, he doesn't need a name. He's, he's just an inconvenience. It's really annoying. There at 6.30 in the morning and there at 8.30 at night. It's annoyance. He, he doesn't need a name. So wait, he's still hanging around, huh? Yeah, this is like, this is like uh, if you live on a farm, you know, you don't, you don't name the farm animals because you get attached. Like, I'm not going to name the neighbor. It's not going to happen. <laughs> In case you become friends with the guy who calls China. Yeah, I, I literally don't want to know what he looks like. Uh, you know, I don't want to bump into him in the common area. Have you not seen him? No, of course not. Why? Why would I? You've never seen him? No. Why would I? Why would I see him? But like, what, what am I going to do? Introduce myself? Knock on his door? Hey, I know you're in the middle of a call, but I just, I just wanted to say hi. Why would I do that? It just surprises me that that like you're next door to him. He's there all the time that you're there, and you've not seen him. It, it's just you know, not that you should necessarily barge in and be like, "Hey, I'm Gray," but just like right. that that you may have bumped into him in the hallway or something. No, I don't. I don't want to bump into him. Well, in the hallway. I guess you might have done, but you just don't know because you don't know what he looks like. Yeah, so it's like missions. You could achieved. already be friends with him, but you have no idea, right? Like because you, it might be somebody else. No, I, I talk to nobody except the secretary in the whole building. That's and the secretary only because she holds the packages. So I need to talk to her to get the packages. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to work. That's true. Yeah. So I, I don't want to get to know the next door neighbor guy. And the way I enter the building and get to my office, I don't have to pass his office. So I never look inside. I just, I just hear him. You never pass that area. Interesting. I don't have to pass that area, no. You're still in the office that you're in. You haven't moved yet. No, I, I have not. I have not moved yet, which is a great annoyance because this neighbor is having a legitimate impact on my productivity because his, his simple presence is bothersome to me uh, and I would like to eliminate it. Right. I've been in these sort of situations, right, uh-huh. where something okay. just it just frustrates you so much unnecessarily that then the mere presence of the thing <laughs> stops you from working. So when I when I worked in the bank, uh, the radio did this to me. Mm-hmm. They they used to play uh, a, a station in the UK called Capital Radio, which just plays the latest hits. But the problem with Capital Radio, at least at this time, was they had about 25 songs on their playlist. Heavy rotation. They played those heavy rotation songs all day. <laughs> and there were a few of those songs that I didn't like most of the time because it was more general. Wasn't hipster enough for you. Just really mainstream. It was too listening. mainstream. It, that was yeah. actually the problem. It was too mainstream. I know. I know, Mike. And I would sit for nine hours a day with this radio basically in my oh, eye. Oh, God. <laughs> in my eye line oh, while it was just playing these 25 songs. Mm-hmm. And then just the mere idea of the radio <laughs> being turned on in the morning, that just set my day off badly. Because I was just, I was merely frustrated at the fact that the radio was receiving any power. <laughs> right? Like that was more yeah. than enough. Yeah. And there would be days where like there was this one lady who insisted on having it on that station. And whenever mm-hmm. she was off, I would change it to something thing that i would want and it was so much nicer and then i would remember like she would come in the next day she'd turn it on and she would change the dial and i was ready to just take that radio just throw it out the window so i can completely sympathize with this idea of just there just being a base annoyance which is there constantly and every time you're reminded of it it stops you from wanting to work well the problem is that it's his presence is not 
perfectly constant. If it was perfectly constant, mm -hmm. that's easier to deal with. It's like white noise. Yeah. But he's randomly there probably two out of three times, either in the morning or in the evening. Mm. And, I, and I really do. I almost sent you a text message once because I walked in and it was 6 a.m. And he was there and I was like, God damn it. Like what? Again, again, always the same feeling. Like, what is this loser doing in this office building at six in the morning? Right. As I am standing there in a totally <laughs> empty office building at six in the morning. Like I should be the only loser in this office building at this time in the morning. But nope, there he is. And again, of course, it's like we're the only two people with this crazy schedule. And we're the only two people like and we're right next to each other. It's, it's infuriating. I honestly believe that on this guy's podcast, he talks about the fact that he's varying his schedule, but you're still always there. <laughs> right, right. We're each, we're each trying to like move our working hours further and further off of normal working hours into greater edges of insanity you would at the not same believe time. believe the times I go there and that guy's in the room with his thunder sounds talking to himself. A bunch of people in the Reddit pointed out, which was hilarious, that you are more likely a problem to him than he is to you. You may hear him on the phone every now and then, but he's here hearing you repeat yourself over and over and over again reading through your scripts yeah yeah i liked it, it really made me laugh someone left a comment in the reddit which was right that that's right that i'm not locked in there with him he's locked in there with me yeah it really made me laugh like, i think there is there is a a certain element of truth to that like i do not know i do not know what this guy thinks of his neighbor because part of the okay so, here, so here's what's been here's what's been occurring which is frustrating so a lot of people were suggesting why don't you just soundproof your office right as though soundproofing an office is a thing that's even really practical when the walls are made of plywood right and you're just renting a space like what am i going to do i'm going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to, to soundproof this little cube uh, and then I'm just going to sweat to death on the inside of it because it's perfectly insulated. That's the problem with soundproofing. <laughs> exactly. Like the office is already warmer than I really want it to be, which is also a thing that slightly annoys me all the time. Uh, it's like soundproofing it. It's, it just would be just totally unworkable. But I think a lot of people misunderstood that the the problem for me is not so much that I am hearing him. Because I'm, again, using those uh, those headphones we talked about last time, the bone-conducting headphones, which, I, again, they're kind of great. Uh, and I'm most of the time listening to Thunder Sounds and one song on repeat through those. Uh, and so then I'm hearing myself talk out loud. But it is it is the simple knowledge that there is, without a doubt, someone nearby who hears me with crystal clarity, right, through a wall. Because his his office is right on the other side and his desk is right on the other side of, of where I'm talking. And it's, it's that kind of thing. It's like trying to do a presentation in a room that isn't empty, but a room that has one person who's sitting in the front row who's trying to do something else while you're doing a presentation. Mm. And you're like running through what lines are going to be like. Like, is that person really bothering you? No, you're actually a nuisance to that person. But it doesn't change the fact that it makes it much harder to just like try stuff out or just say something or really go through the motions of the way you would you would um try to write a script so it's less of him being an actual disruption as it is like that you feel like you're slightly performing for this guy yeah it, it's if he didn't take and make phone calls which i which i overhear and again they're just like the most hilariously 
business phone call. Like he could be an extra in the office space movie in the background with just like the things he's saying. It's just so like no one talks like this with your synergizing. You know, it's like, but he does like this is what's really occurring. But, but even if he was just there, you know, being an accountant and silently doing paperwork, that wouldn't change anything like the the phone calls just make me more aware of when he arrives and when he leaves. But it's it's the fact that there is someone nearby who is hearing me that's the real problem and so this is this is where it's like this crazy thing where i'm spending a whole bunch of money to rent an office in central london and so in the past couple weeks when i go in the morning sometimes if he's if he's there it's like you know what i just can't even deal with this today i have a lot of work to do and so i turn right back around and walk back to my house and then do work in my house instead right which is like well now what the hell is the point of all of this but i just know in in a certain kind of mood like i i cannot just run through this thing out loud being aware that there's somebody else hearing me like verbally edit myself constantly it's just it's just a just like a little bit of an impediment that is super frustrating have you considered that this person might be your mortal enemy no because if they know this about you right that you can't work in this way then it would make sense that the calls that he's having are nonsense because they're not real calls. He's just trying to put you off. Right. Well, this is... It's also just the possibility that, like, we're each hoping that the other one caves first. Right? <laughs> like, He's doing everything he can. Yeah. There's no way I'm not an annoyance to this guy. And it did occur to me, like, you know, six in the morning, I could just turn the speaker on and pretend like I don't know this person is there. But I'm not going to do that. So I, I know I know. right now the listeners are, are thinking... Why the hell am I still there? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. This, right. Cause now this is, this is like three or four weeks of neighbor frustrations now at this point. Cause I think when I, when I spoke to you about it, yeah, it'd been like two weeks since this guy showed up. So everyone's wondering like, why am I still there? And, and the, the reason is it's because this the video that I am currently working on, uh, is it has just been, absolutely killing me over the last few weeks. This has turned out to be just one of the hardest things that I've worked on uh, in terms of trying to come up with a, co- with a coherent script to explain an idea. Like this one is, it's just murder. Uh, and it's one of these things where almost everything else in my life has been pushed to the side for the past several weeks because it's like, I have to get this script done and like i have a particular time frame that it needs to get done and it's like everything in my life has fallen by the wayside so it's like there will be no other projects like i'm not doing anything else i'm just trying to focus on this one thing and so this this is why even though this neighbor is coming at a particularly annoying time when i have this particularly difficult script to write I can't psychologically deal with trying to figure out how to move offices right now. And like, if I move offices, well, I might as well get a real standing desk if I'm going to switch offices. And then it's like, what am I I'm going to spend a whole day looking at different standing? It's like, I know I'm just putting all of this to the side. And it's like, I'm just going to just going to like power through this for the time being. And as soon as I'm done with this main video project, then I can refocus on making things better in the long run but in the in the meantime it's it yeah it's just it has been frustrating but i i do i do wonder what on earth this guy thinks about me 
because of any topic I have ever done, this is by far and away the worst one for someone to just overhear someone talking oh. out loud next door. Because like on the spectrum of videos that I do from like, let's say Brexit briefly, which is like, we're talking really fast and here's a thing and pa 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 and like it's kinda obvious that this is this is like a presentation that's going on. To America Pox on the other end, which is like slow and serious. This video is way on the America Pox end of the spectrum. Uh-oh. And the topic makes me sound like I'm a total sociopath if someone hears me just saying the lines out loud over and over again. With thunder sounds. Yeah, and like slightly changing them. And yes, yeah, sometimes with thunder sounds, if I think everybody's gone in the evening and I don't realize that he's come to the office at nine o'clock at night. Uh, so yeah, that that certainly doesn't help. But there have been a couple of times where he's obviously come to the office in the evening after I got started and I didn't realize he came and then I leave and I look next door and I just think oh god like I know I know what I was talking about here like there's there's a section about like crushing your enemy right it's like oh my god it's like I don't know what this person thinks is happening next door but maybe this is part of the reason why he hasn't felt the need to come over to me and have a little discussion (laughs) about what our working hours are and obviously us bothering each other with noise. Because let's be frank, whatever he thinks you're doing, he doesn't think you're making YouTube videos, right? No, there's, right, it makes no sense. Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. It, it, or, or there's no reason someone would come to this conclusion. There's no reason hearing what I'm doing yep. would, would make you think that I'm anything other than just a, a raving lunatic who for some reason is renting an office. <laughs> it does sound bad. I mean, I honestly, I can sympathize. Who, who do you sympathize with, though? Me or the guy? Because I always feel like you're on this guy's side every no, time we talk no. about this. With the way that you've explained it today, I am definitely on your side. Because I, as I said, I've been in a similar situation of just this, like, dull annoyance, which is there mm. constantly, like, just eating away in your head. And, like, and mm. it is more your problem and his problem. He's not actually doing anything, really. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's your problem. But I have totally been there. And there's kind of there's there is no way to deal with it. Like uh, there has to be a change. Either he leaves or you leave. Like this this office ain't big enough for the both of you. Yeah, and I am happy to admit that I am, if not the unreasonable one in the scenario, clearly the like the picky one and the one who is the oddball in the office. So like this is way more my problem yeah, than it is. It's his unreasonable. Problem. It's like because <laughs> the, the guy is just trying to. He's doing exactly what you're doing, right? He's paying for an office space and he's trying to get his job done. And, and you're he's able to deal with it, right? He's listening to you crushing your enemies and trying to take over the world, and he's still calling China. Maybe this is why he needs all these motivational posters. <laughs> yeah, to, to get him to get him through the day mm-hmm. of being next to me. Oh. Oh. but yeah. So that's why I am. I'm exhausted, Mike. I'm exhausted. I'm sorry. It's okay. Today's episode of Clotex is brought to you by a new sponsor, and that's Indochino, who are one of the largest made-to-measure menswear brands around. Indochino are making it easy for men to get great-fitting, high-quality suits and shirts at an incredible price. When I first heard about Indochino, I was actually really excited because what they do is they make amazing made-to-measure suits. 
this is something that I have always wanted. All of the suits that I've ever bought have been off the rack, and there's always been something that I haven't quite liked about the fit. But buying made-to-measure suits will cost in the thousands of dollars or thousands of pounds, depending on where you want to go, if you actually want to get something that feels nice. But this is what excited me about Indochino. You can get a made-to-measure suit of your own, customized completely to you, for just a few hundred dollars. This is how it works. You go to Indochino.com, that's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, or you could play it old school if you want and visit one of their nine showrooms in and around North America. You take a look through their hundreds of fabrics and patterns. I have chosen the classic navy herringbone, in case you're interested. Then you go to choose your customizations. You can customize lapels, you can customize pleats, jacket linings, monograms, and so much more to get just exactly what you're looking for from your custom suit. Then you submit your body measurements. Now, this is actually really simple. They have a really handy tool online that walks you through step by step of what you need to measure and how you need to do it. Then you enter the measurements in one by one. They have videos as well that walk you through it so you can see exactly how you measure it. They explain it all. You can watch the videos over again. I actually did this just a couple of days ago. I had someone help measure me up perfectly. And as I did, if you need it, Indochino will even mail you a cloth tape measure so you can get those measurements just perfect i was really surprised how easy it was to do this and it's all down to the care indochino have taken to walk you through step by step then you just kick back relax and get ready to step into the best most stylish suit you've ever worn made in just four weeks now Here's the cool part. Listeners of this show can get any of Indochino's premium suits for just $389 at Indochino.com when you enter the code Cortex at checkout. Now, this is a huge 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free and your satisfaction is guaranteed. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. Once again, that's Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code Cortex for any premium suit for just $389 with free shipping. I cannot wait for mine to arrive. The process is so good. This stuff looks so amazing. I'm really excited. You'll never have to worry about badly fitting suits or expensive trips to the tailor again. Get ready to look like a million bucks with Indochino. Thank you so much to Indochino for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Mike, how is your entry to the world of being a YouTube vlogger? So I will say, overall, this the experience from last episode to this episode has been extremely positive and exciting. Oh, yeah? I'm very excited to be, to be doing this because the reception that I've received has been very warm. Um, and I have been encouraged in this endeavor. Like, the, there seems to be... At least I have the overall kind of sense from a lot of people that have watched the videos and have left me comments that people are actually enjoying them, mm-hmm. which is a key thing. If everybody said it was terrible, then it would have stopped, right? Because clearly I can't do it. Um, <laughs> but I haven't had that. Now, I do want to talk a little bit more about that, but I can't, I can't get to the good stuff without talking about the bad stuff. <laughs> and about 95% of the bad stuff is focused around trying to use YouTube. <laughs> see now it's it's funny to me it's funny to me that you apparently have a list of complaints about using youtube because i i would think that surely surely you must be broken into this already 
Mm-mm. since I dumped handling the Cortex YouTube channel on you when we were first talking about who would do what with this mm. podcast. And I was like, oh, why don't you take this minor part of this job? Uh, this this little thing. Just upload a video. It'll be super easy. And I feel like with that, you've you've handled annotations with that. You've handled all of YouTube's backend system. So I, I don't even understand why you would why you would have any additional complaints. Surely you're a YouTube expert by this point. If memory serves me, there is a previous episode of the show where I complain about using YouTube in the limited sense that I use it. Mm-hmm. But trying to be a lot more serious about this and paying more attention to it for my own mm-hmm. project has highlighted some different things. So mm-hmm. with the stuff that we do for the Cortex channel, it is super simple. Mm. It is make the video, upload the video, draw a box around the logo, publish. Right. Right? Like, that is it. But I'm trying to do more complicated things. Well, what the YouTube system obviously deems to be more complicated. I didn't (laughs) think they would be complicated, but they seem to be. (laughs) And also, I'm paying more attention to it once the video publishes. Right, of course, of course. Because I kind of, like, just set it and forget it with the Cortex channel. Right, like it's up and it's done and it's gone. Like I never spend any time on the analytics. I I don't do anything like that. Every now and then I look through the co- the comments, but I don't contribute because it would be weird for me. I think if the Cortex channel was responding because it's the two of us, mm-hmm. so I don't ever reply to comments on the Cortex channel with the Cortex account. Um, I just kind of leave them as they are. But some of the things that I'm finding. You know, with YouTube, that has been a real problem for me. Focus around like the processing thing. You know, it just seems we've spoken about this before. Like it just seems to just process forever for no reason. It's just stuck at ninety five percent for like an hour for over a two minute video. Yeah, this this is the mystery of uploading a video comes in three parts. There's uploading it, which of course you understand, like a bigger video is going to take longer because you have to squeeze it through the pipes or whatever actually okay you have an estimate of how long it's going to take to upload youtube then provides you with an estimate for processing time which is where they're i don't know putting it through a gigantic rube goldberg machine and out the other end pops a bunch of different size resolution videos i think that's at least that's what they say they do like i have serious reasons to doubt that's actually what's occurring during the processing because not all the resolutions are available right away but anyway uh that's what they say is occurring like they're they're converting the video into their format and into their system and they tell you how long it's going to take until the processing is finished but as as you're referencing here and what i often find is the case there's really two phases of processing one of which is the one that they give you a time estimate for but that only gets you to 95% processed. And then it will just say 95% processed for a, a random interval of time. Every video that I have uploaded, it took longer to get those last 5% than the previous 95%. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. You know, so, sometimes I do have it go quite quickly. Sometimes it, it takes a, a long time. It's, it's like... It's like the YouTube computer is is rolling 100 D20s to come up with how many seconds it should take to get from 95% processed to finished because it doesn't seem to have any correlation with video length or size or or anything. It's yep, it's bizarre and infuriating. And and I wish I wish instead of saying 95% processed they would just say something like post processing dot 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 
that please refresh this page it will be done when it's done yeah exactly just just some kind of like the 95 percent is so fr- like it reminds me of the old windows days of like updates or copying files you get to like 95 percent immediately and then who knows how long it's going to take to get that last tiny bit it's it, it's such a minor thing but it is super infuriating and i imagine from your perspective just seems kind of baffling to somebody yep who's just doing this for the first time like what is it doing <laughs> this is an example of something which i think i'm going to talk about quite a little bit which is the only person the only thing that knows the answer to this is youtube mm-hmm. but they can't seem to answer their own questions mm-hmm. for example all of the view counts are estimated just as estimated. Yeah. Everything says estimated. The only thing that knows the real answer is you, YouTube. Like, and I know that it's difficult because they want to weed out what's real and what's not. But like, just everything is just has these asterisks. Like, you go into the analytics page, and there's just asterisks everywhere. <laughs> everything is estimated. You know, and it's like, how how long is this going to take? Like, three? It takes three days to work out the view numbers on a video. Like, what are you doing? Like. Uh, it's all just so baffling to me. And I'm like, it says estimated. Can I actually trust it's real, though? Like, and I'm trying to work that out. But there are so many things like this where it's like the only thing that knows the real answer is the thing that's telling you it doesn't know the answer. Um, I, it's just mind-boggling to me. I do always find that stuff baffling. Like, today I logged into YouTube uh, to change a couple settings behind the scenes. And I, and I noticed on my the CGP Grade channel, there was a little banner popped up on the top which said view numbers and revenue numbers from Mexico are incorrect and we will update them later. <laughs> Whenever I see a message like that, it's like, okay, so something went wrong. But I, I find like, how, but how will you know what happens? Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, what is the nature of the problem? Oh, you go, where... yeah. YouTube red partner <laughs> revenue from Mexico is showing incorrect data for September. But like, how, how, how? Did that happen? Well, I can. I mean, here's the thing. It's it's easy to understand. Okay, so there was some problem, right? Like I can just I can just accept that, right? The chaos monkey came along and you lost a bunch of data for Mexico. What I find much more confusing is <laughs> h- how are you going to fix this in the future? Like either you know now or you don't, or like you just lost it. You know, like maybe you put up the little shrug emoji for like, well, you just, you know, YouTube read money from for September. Like we just we just don't know. We're sorry, you know, and we'll prorate it based on what we guessed. And I just but I don't understand like how how they can recover this information. But I see messages like that quite often enough where they're letting you know something went wrong and they'll fix it in the future. But I always just wonder, but how do you how do you know what it should be? I, I don't even understand. Like it's it's. There's a lot of just, you just have to accept the analytics dashboard for what it is. Like, okay, these are the numbers it's telling me. These are the numbers I'm going to go with. Uh, it's, it seems like magic how they know or how they're calculated. Uh, and I get enough messages saying that something might not be right, but they'll fix it later. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll just trust that it's fixed, you know. But I don't know. Like, <laughs> no idea, really. Then there are other things, right? Like... There have been on two occasions where I've accidentally included 15 seconds of just a black screen at the end of my videos. Everybody does that. Don't worry. And YouTube offers these handy tools for trimming. Mm -hmm. So you go in and you trim your video down. It's like, great. Thanks, YouTube. We'll be back with you in an hour, maybe, to let you know that this is done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you might have to do it again because 
it didn't seem to stick. Like there are all these like it's like we have these handy tools. Why don't you fix this? Why don't you fix that? But any er- edits that you make can take an unknown amount of time to be updated in their system. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I'm happy that those tools are there because otherwise I would have had to have re-uploaded. But it it just seems like all of this stuff just takes so long. Yeah, I, I would just advise to anybody starting a YouTube career, don't use YouTube's built-in editing tools. No. Like no, no. If, you can, if you can do anything to avoid using those tools you should avoid using those tools. I, I, don't, I don't recommend the user experience of them. I don't recommend the reliability of them. Uh, I, I would suggest that you stay far, far, far away from, from those tools if you can. If I wasn't uploading them on my mobile data, then I would just delete the video and upload it again. Yeah, in the outer rim, you, you have to pay for your internet, so you don't want to double upload it. No, I exactly. understand. It would also be great if you could just swap the video out. Well, now you understand what I want from YouTube, but mm-hmm. they will never give you that. You are now part of the YouTube system where what they want is more, right? Not necessarily better, right? So it's like they want, they, the, it, everything in the system is designed to upload more videos, right? Uh, you know, they'll let you upload at the top of every page. They'll let you upload directly from your phone. Uh, but if you want to change an existing video, forget it. That's not That's not a possibility for you, so... Welcome to the club, Mike. Yeah. Better make sure everything's right in your vlog the first time around. Seems like it. Don't make any mistakes. That's the, that's the plan. And when I'm looking at also, you know, saying that I want to be a part of the system, mm-hmm. it isn't just the YouTube system. It's also like the mentality and the thinking. And something that I knew that I needed to focus on was my titles and my thumbnails, right? They were just not youtube enough, you know? They weren't enticing enough. They didn't give enough information. Can I ask a, a, a question? Yeah. I'm a bit confused here, Mike. Your original few videos, the, one that's, the ones that you showed me, mm-hmm. they just had thumbnails which were yellow words on a black background yep. with sort of the format of your show where you talk about like three things. Uh-huh. So it would just like list, go to London to buy a house, but not really just sign some paperwork. Yep. Three edit emojis into the video, right? Like you list yep. the three things that are going to occur. Um. Were you were you ever were you ever serious about those being the actual thumbnails? I always thought those were placeholder thumbnails. They were just the thumbnails that I had because I couldn't think of anything. Okay, right. Okay. So like I just put them up there and then just left them because I didn't really have an, a strategy okay. for thumbnails. Okay, but you but you weren't thinking like these are actually acceptable YouTube thumbnails. I mean now now they have to be left there on those original ones for posterity, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you weren't thinking going forward, like, oh, I can, I can, I can just have a list of text on the screen. No, as my no, thumbnail. it never really crossed my mind. That's not gonna, that's not gonna fly in YouTube land. <laughs> like it was like, this is what I'll just leave there for now because I don't have any other ideas. Like vlog zero 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 also is again like not the, the naming strategy. It was just like, well, I haven't got any other ideas for this. I'm just gonna put it here. So. I figured I needed a strategy and I had people saying to me like, oh, this isn't enticing enough, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, ah, clickbait, right? Like, this is this what I'm supposed to be doing here? Am I supposed to entice people in? Like, how do you do that And without, you know, being clickbaity? And then I was kind of thinking to myself, well, if I'm going to give in to the system, Maybe this is what I need to do. Like, this is what I see people do. Like, they have to try and entice you in in some way. 
So maybe I just need to give in to the system. I, I have to say, Mike, you know, I, I, I subscribed to your YouTube channel, you know, back back when it was still a secret. Mm-hmm. And back before it was cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And when you uploaded your first real video, I, I I wasn't quite sure how to feel about the fact that you went straight for the clickbaitiest uh-huh. of clickbait yep. titles. What was your original what was your original title? I went too far. The title was <laughs> Adina left me was the title. Yeah. Is the, that was the title that I chose. Right. Uh which I will just state for the record was suggested by Adina. I did approve said suggestion. Yeah, Mike, you're the decider here, right? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't fob this off. She didn't <laughs> type it in. I typed it in. Yeah, you you did this. You decided to go with this. So Because Adina left me for a week. She's in Romania right now. And I thought, this is funny. So I did it. I think it lasted about fifteen minutes before mm-hmm. I added some brackets in which I wrote for a week. Well, you, you know what this looks like to me? This looks like a man who lacks the courage of his convictions. Oh, I definitely didn't have the courage to leave that on there. <laughs> right, but that's but that's exactly what this title conveys to me. It's like clickbait. Ooh, but not. Ooh, but not really. <laughs> this is the thing. I don't know how to title these things mm. in a way that is not because, like, I could say a bunch of stuff, but it's boring. Like, mm. if I I'm either, I'm either going one or two ways. I'm either going to have an interesting, enticing title, or they're just going to be called vlog episode four. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. I, and I need to work out which one of those I want to do, and I feel like I want to be enticing, but I went too far. I went too far, and I know I went too far, which is why I then tried to walk it back. How how do you know that you went too far? How, how do you how do you know this? Because people told me I went too far. <laughs> Did you not receive a bunch of happy comments about that title? Some people actually thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, honestly, w- before I changed it, I got as many people thinking that it was funny as I did people thinking that I shouldn't title it that. Because there were people that were like, they thought it was funny because I was being so outwardly clickbaity. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there were people that didn't like it, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. So I reversed my decision and uh, put the the brackets in there. And I have a little thumbnail of the two of us. I chose the thumbnail because it's the two of us laughing. And I thought that that would counterbalance the title, but it clearly didn't. So I shifted the balance back again. This is really hard. <laughs> Seriously, like the titling is really, really hard. Here's the thing. I am giving you a hard time about this, but, but anyone, anyone who's never done this, trying to pick a title for something like this, especially for something when you're trying to get attention from people, it is shockingly difficult. Because that's it, right? Like, if all I ever wanted was for people that listen to this show to watch my videos, I would just call them Vlog Episode 3. Right. Because those people have made their mind up if they're going to watch before they've even seen the video come out, right? They've Like, basically, most of the people, if not all of the people that are subscribed now, they are people that are familiar with my work and will watch it based on the fact of whether they like me or not. Right? right, and then they might watch one or two of them, decide if it's for them, and then go forward. Right. But my whole point of doing this is to find new people, so I need to give it some kind of like pizzazz, right? <laughs> yeah, you're selling the sizzle, Mike. I've got, I guess you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I mean. It is. It is. 
I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time, but it is also, it's also legitimately difficult. And I think there's, there's this kind of, um, like people use clickbait because it works right? and, and because it gets more people to click on video titles. And it's like, you can have very complicated feelings about this. And that's why like, when I saw that you went straight for the clickbait, I was a bit uh, like, I'm not quite sure how to think about this because part of me is aware. Like, well, if I was starting a vlog from the start, I, I think people who do vlogs or vlogging like content, that seems to have some of the highest density of clickbaity type titles. And I think it's partly because the competition in that area is so incredibly fierce. Like there's so many people who want to do vlogs that there's a bit of an arms race that if you are in that category, you you almost you almost have to. Which is which is why when I look at your title with the brackets that pulls it back, I, I almost feel like, I don't know, Mike, maybe you should just you should just embrace the clickbait. Embrace no. the clickbait and Try to bring in the audience. My 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 thinking now is to still I'm still going further towards clickbait. Mm-hmm. That is my thinking. But I I went at the level that this is clickbaity is probably the level that I'm going to go for. But I okay. chose the wrong thing to point out. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Like you're toying with people's emotions and your exactly. relationship, and that. Right. So I know that that was the wrong thing to do. Right. But I'm still going to keep going in this direction, but in some other way. But, like, I, this is the thing. If you told me to try and come up with another name for that video in that style, I can't do it. That's why it's exactly. called this, because it was the easiest clickbait to come up with. Yeah. It's so hard to title stuff, right? You know, click, clickbaiting or not clickbaiting, it's, it's shockingly difficult. It, it's, it's frustrating because, like, it's one of the hardest things and you know, I, I think it's it's really important to have a good title. Like I, th- I think the titles really matter. Anybody who pays attention to their own user behavior when like just watching videos and seeing what the algorithm surfs, like you know that titles affect you. Uh, like they they can't not. So it, like it really does. It really does matter trying to t- trying to select something that's good. I feel like eventually I'm going to get into the rhythm Mm -hmm. and like that these names will come up just naturally for me, right? Like I'll get into a rhythm of thinking what can these things be called and come up with a name at some point during the process of making it. But Mm -hmm. right now I just, I haven't got it. I feel like I've laid the groundwork now. Like I, I feel, I feel like I understand where I want to be, going with it like from a naming perspective but i haven't yet landed on the identification of those names Mm. and this is something that is going to be i think a bit of a struggle for me and and again like the thumbnails are so hard as well like you've got to come up with something that is enticing and also where do they even come from right Mm. like i'm trying to pull them out of the footage that i've shot so they're not always at the highest resolution because they might be moving images right so now I'm thinking, oh, do I now need to think about taking a photo of something as well? Like, as well as taking video of something so I get, like, a good photograph to be used? Like, this is, this is like, part of why I started doing this process in the first place is, like, the understanding of the different type of production, the different type of creation. And this yeah. is definitely part of that, right? Like, trying to work out 
what this is meant to be. And 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 again, like I really could just do things the way that I think that they should be done, but then I'm not being a part of the system, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm tr- really trying to fit into this system because the way that we title stuff, it it's so different. Like our, the titles for our episodes of this show are not meant to entice anyone. They're just, oh yeah, we just pick a funny thing that we said and we just put it in there or yeah. on the, on the very rare occasions it is descriptive of the content. Like whenever we've done book club episodes, for example, mm. it's just the title of the book. So it kind of indicates that it's a book club episode. But mo- like the titles are not anything. The, the titles yeah. are not meant to entice anybody. And I think you can see on just, just across a, a huge number of podcasts, uh, unst- until you start getting into the really highly produced shows that have teams of people. But if, if you are a, a sort of normal podcast, the, the titles don't matter. Because the people listening are, are, are listening because they're interested in the people who are doing the podcast, right? For, for whatever reasons. They're not intended to be, they're really not able to be viral things. Like you don't have huge swings in the number of downloads of an episode of a podcast. It's, it's relatively consistent. And I, I think even if, even if you and I, Mike, like we sat down and we're like, okay, what what's the what's the clickbaitiest title we could possibly come up with? But like for 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 an episode of a podcast, especially this kind of podcast, there there's no way even with the highest quality weaponized clickbait title that the episode is going to go viral because that like that's just not how people consume the medium. Like I think I, I'd be willing to bet that a pretty large portion of the people who hear episodes of podcasts never even know what the title is because it just comes up automatically on their playlist as the next thing to listen to. So that's why the the titles for podcasts are totally, are like a little afterthought of oh we yep. need a title let's just whatever let's just pick something. Uh, but it's but that's why it's like it is a it is a different game on YouTube. I think I, I often wonder like I'm sure YouTube knows, but I'd love to see some big data analysis on how much can a title affect views on a video i'm convinced that it matters but i think it's an it's an interesting and open question of let's say the worst title possible versus the best title possible what percentage difference range are you talking about in views you know is it 10 percent difference is it 200 percent difference like what i wonder what it is uh you know what like what is the theoretical maximum difference that the perfect title could make versus the worst title there's an answer to that question but it might not be a knowable answer so i'm i see something i'm still working through like i i feel like i'm getting closer to an idea but Mm -hmm. right now like i obviously have not executed on that idea very well This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Hover. Are you listening to this show? Do you want to start a YouTube channel like Mike? Or do you have some other side project that you want to begin? Well, if you're starting a YouTube channel, you better also make sure you get the .com of whatever it is. And Hover is the easiest place to make sure that you can do that. When you're getting that domain name, you don't want to have to click through pages and pages of stuff where the domain name registrar is just trying to confuse you or upsell you. That's not what you want. What you want is Hover. You just go in, you buy your domain. It's so simple. 
It's so nice and pleasant. I always say, just just look at the website of Hover. It's a breath of fresh air in this industry. You have to use them for getting your domain names. And one of the little touches that I love Hover for is that they don't make you pay for your own privacy. When you register domain names, you have to put in some information about where you or your business is located. And normally, registrars make you pay extra money to keep that shielded from the public. But not Hover. They think that's part of what buying a domain name is, so it's just included for free, automatically. Nice and simple, one less thing to have to worry and think about. The other nice thing about a simple process, you never know when you're racing someone else to get the domain name that you want. That's right, you listening to this ad right now. There's some domain name in your head that you've been thinking, oh, maybe I should buy that. You know what? If you've thought of it, somebody else probably has as well. So you need to go to Hover right now and register that domain name before somebody else does. And you'll get it fastest with Hover. So when you have this perfect domain name for your idea, go to Hover.com and use the promo code DISHWASHER at checkout to save 10% off your first purchase. DISHWASHER, not just a robot that makes your life easier, but also a code for 10% off your first purchase at Hover. Thank you so much to Hover for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Actually making the videos has been an interesting experience. There are some things that I'm struggling with um that i think i'm getting better with like audio levels which is kind of hilarious um especially using the iphone like as i am the audio can be uh tricky at the best of times to get right yeah, pretty variable but i'm i'm working on it and i'm kind of working on trying to make that better and i'm spending more time like the last video i like bounced it out or however you call it exported it played it on my iphone played it with headphones like i'm trying to work out what the system is so like, mm-hmm. this is another thing where it's like i can't judge how long these videos are taken because i'm doing mm-hmm. way more to them than i would be doing in like six months time because by then i'll just know how to do it right like by then it'll be like yeah i know this is how much i have to boost the video from outside or inside or whatever um but i have to say like I am loving the process of making these videos. Like even doing things like that, they're frustrating. But like when I get to the end of them, I feel really satisfied. You know, like I feel like that the audio in the last video that I published, the Adina Left Me video, was way better than any of the others. And from my taste, was was pretty much as good as it was going to be, right, mm-hmm. with, with, with what I'm doing. And it isn't necessarily audio quality that I'm looking for. It's audio balancing. I know the fact that because I'm using the iPhone, the audio is not going to sound as good as it can sound. But Mm. I don't think that's so much of a problem on YouTube videos, to be honest, in the style that I'm doing them. Like, as long as you can hear me clearly, I think that's fine. Like, it doesn't have to sound like how how my podcasts sound. No, you don't need the audio at that at that high level like yeah. better audio is always better obviously but sure. you know, how how much does it matter and as as we have talked before like the the production quality doesn't matter as as much as people think it does I right? agree. What, what matters is have you created a thing that's engaging to watch right do you like do you know how to cut a video together roughly even if you're not doing it in the greatest possible way that you can right this this is what matters way more to are people going to continue to watch a video and just going back to one thing that you were saying before about how you know you're finding this a really satisfying process 
Another reason that I think this is a great side project for you is that this is a this is a side project that has a fast feedback loop and iteration loop. And I think it's one of the reasons why so many people like to do vlogging as a pro- project is because it's the kind of thing that if you're getting better at it, you know, you you learn how to do a thing, you have a skill, you upload the video, you immediately see feedback from it and then you can go into making the next vlog thinking about how that previous one went. And it can be this, this loop of fast feedback, right? It's, and I think that's, that's an advantage for side projects as, as opposed to something where it's like, oh, you're going to work in secrecy for years on, on one long movie or whatever, and then put it out to the public and then only get feedback then. Like, it's a very different experience for side projects that have long mm-hmm. feedback cycles versus side projects that have very short, very tight feedback loops. And, and obviously vlogging is one of those, one of those things. I think that's, that's why it can feel really addictive is because you're always you're in a little cycle where you're always looking for the next part of it it's like you're learning a new skill right you've just put it up you're getting the feedback and you always want to go into the next part of that cycle so that's been a lot of fun and i've liked seeing what people are liking and what they're not liking and and kind of trying to craft the videos a little bit more right like Mm -hmm. okay people like this part they didn't like this part so what can i do to make this bit better you know, and and that that's been an interesting thing, and it, there's more feedback to give than there is with the podcast, mm-hmm. because people can like they can say what they like and don't like about what we talk about, but that's kind of it. But with this, it's like we want to see you talk more about these things, but also why don't you try tweaking this a little bit differently? Or like I really like that thing that you do visually, and maybe you could try and make this a little bit better. That kind of thing. Yeah, and again, it's it's much more easily consumable as a complete project even for someone who's not super into it but who wants to leave some feedback like like someone can watch a three minute or four minute video and then leave a comment and say like "Ah, i didn't like this i didn't like that right but no one's going to listen to a two hour long podcast just to leave some feedback about "Ah, i didn't really like this part (laughs) right it's just like the time commitment is vastly different i've also liked the production process the kind of the rhythm of it, the feeling of it. So I kind of dump all of my footage into Final Cut and I start making my cuts and pulling out the things that I think are interesting. Then I go back and I add the music in and then I go back and then I add any of the little graphics in. But what I like is how while I'm making it, it's feeling better. Like before I've added the music, when it's just the footage, I always think it's boring and rubbish. <laughs> Every time this has happened. Music does a lot of the heavy lifting. It's weird, right? My God. Any music, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Because then as well, like I start doing fun stuff with the visuals, right? Where I'm trying, and it's tricky, but like I'm trying to like match some of the visual stuff up with the pace of the music and beats of the music and stuff like that, which is a really hard thing to do. But Mm. like I'm I'm trying to do that because I really like that in the videos that I watch. So it's funny to me how like I'm getting into this rhythm and understanding my own process in that like when i'm putting the video together it doesn't start to get good until the music's there and then in my mind i'm like well if i've got the music in and it still doesn't feel good there's something more fundamentally wrong yeah that's that's that is definitely that's definitely the case when i'm editing the audio from my own videos i always have to just just be listening to some kind of temp music 
Like just I'll just put something on repeat while I'm ed- editing the audio because I'm aware of that same effect. Like if I don't do this, I'm going to cut it way too harshly because I think everything is just super boring. <laughs> it's like, well, actually, it's just like listening to any narration without the music. It just it's just wrong. And I, I wonder if it's partly also with vlogs that there's a certain element of performance that's occurring. Like people just speak differently into a camera. And I think maybe we're just, I don't know, uh, like culturally expecting that there's going to be music underlaying when a person is talking in a particular way. And maybe that's why it sounds so weird if you don't have anything playing underneath. But yeah, it's it's astounding how any piece of content doesn't feel real until you have the audio there. Like it just, it just feels so strange without it. I just really like that I'm able to have this feeling like I've made a thing <laughs> out of stuff. So like all of the all of the shows, there's just one piece of raw footage, which is the whole recording, right? Mm-hmm. And then I can cut that up and I can kind of make a thing out of it. But there's something different in like having 25 video clips. And moving them around so they make more sense in like the flow of the video, cutting them up and making one thing out of these 25 things. Yeah, it, it's the difference between chiseling something out of marble or constructing something out of Lego. Right? And like, I like the Lego more. Yeah, yeah. With the audio, you're taking the thing and cutting it down. And with the video, you have a wide selection of stuff from which you're picking some things and building a little vlog. Yep. Like even though I think if someone was sitting behind you and watching you do either of these processes, they would look very similar, but mentally they're totally different things, right? One, one is entirely about cutting and one is entirely about assembling. So I can see I can see why you would enjoy it as a very different experience. But I have learned a valuable lesson about the production that it's kind of split into three parts and a lot of the time that they can take very similar amounts of time to get done. So what are the three parts of assembling a vlog? I need, I need to know. Maybe I'm going to do this. Shooting. Okay, so I have to shoot video. Editing. Editing video. YouTube. <laughs> YouTube's not a part. <laughs> you just upload it, Mike. It's really easy. It takes me... Right now, it is taking me an astoundingly long time to get the video from export to publish. <laughs> like, you know, I, and it's just like I'm having myriad technical problems um, and, and, try, and again, like trying to like force this web app to do what I want it to do. Mm-hmm. I really don't understand why there isn't a native desktop application where you can do all of the annotations and all the cards and then just upload it from there directly to YouTube with the metadata. I don't know why that doesn't exist. Because most of the problems that I have in responsiveness, in buffering and loading, it's all based on the fact that I'm uploading this video before I'm adding any of the annotations and cards. Mm -hmm. And I wish there was a way to do that locally and then upload that information to youtube and i again like i'm getting better at it i'm learning different ways of doing it like but it still takes me a long time and also based in that is like the 
coming up with a title and, and putting in all the keywords and l- adding it into a playlist and all this stuff. Like, and it's building more and more and more every time I publish because people are like, hey, you should do this thing that everybody does, which is like creating a playlist and adding it to a playlist because YouTube refuses to play in any other order than the one that they set. And it's, you know, like all of these things, it's like building and building and building every time. So for me right now, at least, it's split into these three parts. So I kind of think of it as like shooting, editing, distribution. And those three parts are taking very long times. And I know that it's going to change, like, and every video will be different. Some videos, I will be only shooting them for like an hour or two, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm doing something at home and there's going to be more stuff like that, where I'm kind of just talking or showing something, those videos take way less than if I'm out in London for eight hours and then over that time I'm taking video of stuff. But mm-hmm. I've, I have highlighted that these are three, for me, major things and they're all going to take a substantial amount of time to do. Because, and this was, I only kind of really realized this on the last video because prior to that I was just thinking, just shooting and editing and then just uploading. Mm-hmm. But if you're being serious about it and you're really trying to like, bend to the system and like make the system work for you there are lots of things that you need to kind of pay attention to is that's kind of the way that i'm approaching it right now so the youtube stuff and the distribution stuff and the promotion stuff is taking a long time especially as like i'm working on setting up a mailing list because a couple of people have asked for that and now realizing there's no way to automate this so that's going to be another step in the publishing process (laughs) see I, i i think you can see how I mentioned a while back, like I have a 70 plus item checklist right, for putting up a I video. I haven't built that checklist yet, but that's like something I may be going to do with the next video that I publish yeah. is write down all my steps, you know. You should, you should really do that. And you can see now why, like there's just a bunch of little switches to flip and buttons to press and like, oh, did I add this in here? And it's, it's like, yes, you can mentally keep all of that in your head. But it's going to be way better if you just you're just going yep. through like a pre-flight checklist. Well, because one of them are going to be like check the video ends at the right time, and then I just save myself forty five minutes of waiting for the YouTube system to complete its edit. Yeah, right? one of one of the items on my checklist is to watch the video fully on YouTube right after it's been uploaded, because a surprising amount of times I've run into a, an issue where the audio just falls out of sync with the video eventually. <laughs> It's like, given me warnings like this every now and then. Nothing's wrong with it, but it's like, hey, we think the video and audio is out of sync. I'm like, why do you think this? Yeah. But it does. I, have n- I have never gotten a warning, but I have often gotten the video and audio out of sync. Right, well, then, so there's, then there's a problem here. I'm getting your warnings. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but that's why. Like, It's just one of those items on the checklist is every time I upload it, I, I kind of mentally want to start filling in all of the metadata and doing all of the steps while it's uploading, because at least YouTube does let you do that. But I've learned from experience, like, nope, nope, don't try to fill in any of this ahead of time, because it's just going to be a huge waste if when you actually finally watch the video, it falls out of sync halfway through. Yep. <laughs> it's like, then you've just wasted 30 minutes filling in all of this stuff. And also, pro tip, don't bother with those keywords. There's no point in filling them okay, in. Okay, good to know. YouTube really wants you to fill them in, but you don't have to. I See, I've been filling them in because I thought it might help get it in front of people. My, my understanding from uh, some conversations that I've had is that those keywords are entirely for the benefit of the advertisers bidding on the video. Oh, then I and don't care. that if there are no keywords in there, 
that YouTube just algorithmically decides what the video is about based on the comments that people are leaving. Like it's just, it, it auto generates keywords for auctions based on the comments people leave. So I was, I I had this in the context of a conversation of someone who was really convincing me to try to use keywords was like, the longer you talk, dude, the more I am hearing, I don't need to bother with this. This is, this is for you. This is not for me. So yeah, don't bother with those. Talking about advertising, I want to share some of my numbers with the audience. You don't you don't normally like to share numbers, Mike. Like you, you never want to share the numbers about the podcast, but you're happy with sharing numbers about the YouTube channel? I don't care about these numbers. <laughs> right, because they're comical? Yes. So this is another thing right, with YouTube's system. There is two reports. There is a revenue report and an ad rates report, and they both have different numbers on them. Mm-hmm. I, this is another thing about YouTube's analytics system. There's so much data, but mm-hmm. 90% of it makes no sense. Right. Why are there? Why is there a revenue report and an ad rates report, and they both have different numbers on them? Okay, well, Mike, the difference between the ad rate report and the revenue report is the ad rate report shows how much money was actually generated uh, by the ads and then the revenue is how much i right. got right the the revenue <laughs> is your 55 percent of the money that was actually generated why by the do they think they can take that amount of money from me Oh. Because they can, because they successfully well, can. This is always got, again. Right? I, I hear Apple people always complain. They're like, "Oh, thirty percent is like I'd like, <laughs> it's like I'd murder a family member for thirty percent." Are you crazy? <laughs> well, like, let me share. Let me share my ad rates report so people get the full kind of picture, and I'll talk about the revenue. So, I have had fourteen thousand two hundred and seventy estimated monetized playbacks, which is mm-hmm. maybe my favorite statistic estimated monetized playbacks this is over from september 14th to october 11th because of course the data is multiple days old because youtube you know right so these are for the listener what that what that means in youtube system is this is a video that plays against which youtube was able to run an ad There are many circumstances under which a video might play where they can't run an ad. Either there's nothing in the auction to fill or someone's watching on a platform where the ads don't play. So you you can have the video play without necessarily having an ad show up. Uh, Or if um, I forget what the what the timer is, but YouTube has some internal timer where they won't show someone a, a video ad in front if they've watched a video ad within a certain window of time. Mm-hmm. So this is this is what estimated monetized playbacks means. So I've had 14,270 estimated mm-hmm. monetized playbacks. Mm-hmm. I have made $88.98. Well, I sh- not me. There has been $88.98 generated and then of those 88.98 <laughs> I have got 48.94 of it. There you go, Mike. So, look, this is not me complaining about, like, the amount of money that I make from my videos because I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of don't care about it in that mm-hmm. way. And, and I put ads on the videos not to make – again, this is like I'm not trying to make money here. I'm, again, trying to understand the system. Mm-hmm. So by having ads on my videos, I am now understanding how much money can be made on YouTube seriously. Mm-hmm. And the answer is – not a lot of money. Now, again, that 
eight those th- this fifty dollars that I'm going to get. That's great. That's fifty dollars, mm-hmm. right? That's that's you know I didn't really expect any money out of that. It's fifty dollars. It's just very interesting to me, and I think it you know. And again, I know that I make different money than you would make. You make different money than PewDiePie would make because YouTube also calculate their. CPM, which is how much they pay per thousand differently, depending on many variable factors. It's not a fixed rate, right? Like everybody has their own to a point. Yeah, this is the the rates can can vary by. I, I would say from the app from the absolute bottom to the absolute top, maybe by a factor of like five is the biggest range I've kind of seen across different creators. Mm-hmm. And again, that partly depends on the auction system that is going on behind the scenes. I'm always I'm never quite sure how aware people are of this, but but when when you go to load a video, YouTube has a kind of instantaneous auction between a bunch of advertisers to decide what ad is going to be shown, and advertisers can put in all kinds of stuff that they that they want their viewers. Like so they can fill out demographic data, so you know, f- fairly commonly, if it's it's like a like a new shoot 'em up video game comes out, they're like, okay, we want males, you know, fourteen to thirty five in North America, and there's a few other like characteristics that they can put, and they can say we want also videos that are in the video game category, so we know like it's somebody watching a PewDiePie video that we want to run this ad against. There's like a little auction that occurs to try to figure out which advertiser is willing to spend the most money to get in front of you at that moment and it's like it's actually it's quite like an interesting complicated system but what that means is that some people uh (laughs) like beauty vloggers in particular will can can rake in like incredibly high ad rates when there's like built-in products around what they're talking about uh and then for for channels like vlogs uh, or for channels like myself that don't necessarily have a built-in topic, the ad rates tend to be lower because there's not something that there is specifically being advertised against. Uh, so like that's part of what is occurring behind the scenes. And it is one of the, the reasons why it's a little bit hard to compare what ad rates are for one person versus another. But uh yeah, that's that is what's occurring behind the scenes. Okay, Mike, we've talked about your revenue numbers. But what I want to know is on the YouTube analytics page. Mm-hmm. There is one tab that is a combination of fascinating and terrifying. And it is the audience retention tab. Yep. Have you found this one yet? I've Mike? been looking at this one. <laughs> All right, would you please explain for the listener, what is the audience retention tab? The audience retention tab is what tells me for every video how long people watch it. So of the amount of people that pressed play, what percentage of those people get to the end? (laughs) Now, I have actually been paying attention to this and I am pretty happy with my numbers. Now, my average number, guess across everything, should we maybe look at here? Yeah, so t- so tell me if you if you just load it up, 
on the first mm-hmm. page, it should have two numbers. It should have average view duration, mm-hmm. but the second one is the average percentage viewed. What's the average percentage viewed across your videos? 63%. Ooh. See, I think that's pretty good. So do I. I'm really happy with it, especially because the ends of the videos really skew the numbers. So there's like a harsh drop off in like the last 15 seconds because mm-hmm. the video's done. Right? So lots of people close it. But like I keep it like f- most of my videos stay in like the 70 to 60% range for the majority of the content. Yeah, the, so just for the just so the listeners have a, a a comparison, like my average viewed percentage across again the whole video and I have the same effect that you do obviously like drop sharp drop up at the end. Um is 65%. And so it's just about it's just around the same area. The thing that I think is is really interesting and is is terrifying but is to me is like the heart of YouTube tracking data is that you can click on any video and see exactly when people started getting bored and left. Like they will draw a line on the screen that shows you the percent of people who are still paying attention to your video from the start. And the really interesting graph is that they will give you the relative audience attention. So compared to other videos that are the same length on YouTube, is your video more or less engaging than the average video of the same length? And those graphs are... They're both sort of like interesting and terrifying because you can see the exact moment when you lose people, right? Or like Mm -hmm. when people start getting bored. It's really interesting to see like when, when does something dip? And, you know, particularly if, if you have moments where like you're talking about one thing and then you're talking about another, you can see the shape of segments in your own video with those graphs. Now, the thing that I find is that it's, this stuff is is fascinating and it's interesting it's interesting to look at you know and to see how how are how are different videos received by people um like i'm just like i'm just pulling up humans need not apply like and that one never crosses the below average interesting graph mm-hmm. but it is also very youtubey to me because they they give you so much information but it's also like well it's very hard to know if there's anything actionable to be drawn from these graphs, right? Like it's, it's very hard to, to pull out a general trend of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. It's, it's more like YouTube is just telling you exactly when you were boring and then saying, don't be boring. (laughs) That's what I kind of don't like about it in a way. Like I know why that's valuable and useful, but as an artist, you know, like it can be a bit like, Oh, I don't really think of myself as an artist. Of course you do, Mike. But yeah, so they're, so they're just they're just telling you where you were boring and what are you going to do about that? Who knows? Don't be boring in the future. That's that's kind of what that graph says. So yep. I, f- I find it interesting but unactionable, which is, I think, what a, might be the, the summary of what I think is the, the YouTube analytic page. Like they will tell you everything about your viewers that you could possibly want to know, their demographics, the playback location, the exact moment they got bored, where they came from, what device they're watching on, uh, how much money YouTube made, how much money they're going to give to you. But it's, but it's also just 
unactionable all of it. Yeah. So I, I find that that's, that's the, the YouTube data is a bit like, okay, it's a thing. It's interesting. I, I check it every once in a while, but it's not a thing to live or die by, Mike. Like, I think you should just pay much more attention to your subscriber numbers and your view numbers. And like those are the things that you should track. That's really kind of all I'm paying attention to. Like I dip into the other things just to see what they're doing. Yeah. But it's the view numbers and subscriber numbers just because I feel like I understand those. There's a there's an they're like analogous to the stuff that I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you got to focus on. Asking people to like, comment and subscribe. Like, comment and subscribe youtubecom Hurley. Slash user slash Hurley. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Backblaze, the unlimited native backup solution for your Mac or PC. You can sign up for a 15-day free trial, no credit card required, at backblaze.com slash Cortex. I don't need Backblaze, you're thinking to yourself right now. I use Time Machine. Sure, that's good. Like, it's better than nothing, but it's not actually an adequate backup solution. If you don't have off-site backup, you are just not doing things right. What happens when your house is robbed? What happens when your house burns down? Your time machine drive won't save you then, will it? No, of course not. That's why any adequate backup solution must include off-site, and you need to use Backblaze. I run them on my computer. I've been running them on my computer for a really long time, and it is fantastic. It just sits there in the background safely and securely uploading all of my files to their server. And these guys know what they're doing. They look after 200 petabytes of people's data and they have restored over 10 billion files. These are numbers that mean nothing to your monkey mind because they're just enormous, right? They're just too huge to even comprehend. But that's why Backblaze knows what they're doing. Backblaze. Beyond the scale of human comprehensibility is essentially what they're operating at here. So there's no gimmicks. There's no additional charges. How much is it for Backblaze? Just five bucks a month for unlimited, unthrottled, off-site backup. If you don't have this on your computer, you are a crazy, reckless person who just treats their data as disposable. You're just, you're just waiting for the day for it to all go away. So once again, Cortex listeners, you can get a 15-day free trial just by visiting backblaze.com slash Cortex. This lets Backblaze know that it is Cortex that led you to data salvation, which helps us out. So thank you to Backblaze for protecting the data of the world and for supporting Cortex and all of Relay FM. All right, so I opened this whole conversation with you, Mike, kind of wanting to know how, how you felt about it. And you wanted to launch into all the, like, behind-the-scenes nerdery about your feelings on the processing. But, like, to, like so, so can, can, we get, can we get back to my original question from <laughs> an hour ago, which is, oh, overall, like, how, how are you feeling, man? You're, like, you're a vlogger out in the world. Like, you're a dude walking on the street. You're filming yourself. You're talking into a camera. You're at home talking to your UK Echo. You put this out into the world. People have commented on it. How, how are you feeling? Like, what, what's your take on the reception of it? So the reception has surprised me, I think is the best way to put it. I didn't think people would hate the videos. Mm-hmm. I thought that some people would like them. 
and some people would not like them. And that mm-hmm. I would have lots of criticism, good and bad, to kind of take away and work on. But I think overall, the the response has been more positive than I expected it to be, which has been really encouraging. Like people seem to like from from straight away were like watching the videos. Like I really like this. I like that you do this, and I like that you do this, and I feel like you have you'll have kind of have your own style going on here, or at least like I can see the beginnings of like what will be your style, which mm-hmm. is a very encouraging thing because that was important to me. But I didn't try and like hammer it home. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't really trying to like force the Mike Hurley vlogging style. I just did what I thought represented me and and the how I wanted the videos to look. And in doing that, I've kind of feel like I'm I'm landing on a few things which kind of feel like me. You know, like my use of emoji and my oh, use God. of like I like it. Some people don't like it, which is fine, but I like it. I like it a lot. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you like it, Mike. Uh-huh, you're I, in that camp. That's good to know. I, it's like, it'll be no surprise to you that I, I really do not like the emojis. So. But I'm balancing it out. I think that the, I went a little too far in one video, and, and now I'm kind of like balancing it out a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to use them effectively but sparingly. Yeah, but th- but this was one of my things when you first sent me the videos. That that was going to be one of my negative pieces of feedback. But I thought, no, you know, you gotta let gotta let a mic be a mic. He's he's gonna use his little emoji. There's no the thing point. is though. Like I I don't know if I uh, I wouldn't take your guidance on the emoji as clearly because you don't send emoji. You don't use emoji. You are like emoji negative. You know. So I was take in in aggregate, people really like the emoji, right? Yeah. So I'm and sorry, I, I but you're you're would. a bad test case for it. Yeah, I know. People like their stickers. They like their emoji. Mm-hmm. They like their phones exploding with confetti. I understand. And I like the the part that I you know of, of what I can kind of call in my brain the narrator, like the little comments that pop up, which is mm-hmm. editing Mike telling you things or pointing things out or making little jokes and also it allows me to make the jokes that i missed <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it's like you should have made that joke there well, you know what i could just put the text on the screen and i've made the yeah. joke yeah and, and again for anyone who hasn't done this kind of stuff you, you you have to get into those mental modes there's there's on camera mic and there is editing mic mm-hmm like and what what feels like the kind of thing that editing mike would put into the video versus what on camera mike would do like this is this is what makes a thing a thing mm-hmm. right it's it's um as a slight side note cuz i'm still worried about this video that i've been working on that's going to be coming out at some point uh like there's a very a very conscious decision in in this video that this that the narrator, it's like, is this normal gray talking or is this like a different gray talking? And you feel like a crazy person when you're even thinking about this stuff in your head. But this is this is the kind of stuff that you have to think about when you're when you're creating something that is to 
be consumed by others like what what is this like as i'm talking into this microphone is it me talking right or is it like a different version of me talking just just like you're doing this with the editing like is it is it mike or is it editor mike in this moment yeah to get super like fancy about it it's like Mm -hmm. the characters of the video and like (sighs) there's me there's me on screen the person that you're seeing and then like the use of text is like a different character because it's like a different personality it's doing things that are not done by the people in the video that you can see right so it's like it's adding a different sense of humor it's adding a different perspective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and that's kind of how i think about it which is maybe too much and people should and will roll their eyes at that but that makes sense in my brain at least it does make sense although i do sometimes have uh some some limited patience for People who like to hide behind the idea of like, oh, it's just a character on screen. It's not me, right? Oh, no, it's that's some, definitely me. Else. You're seeing me, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's all me, but it's like different versions of me. Yeah. I just think there's there's a some, some people like hide behind this notion of like, oh, it's a character. It's all for fun, right? It's like, oh, and I meet you when you're exactly the person on screen. <laughs> there's, there's no character here no, at for all. For me, like one of the things that is actually quite important is I want to be as close to me as possible in these videos because that feels like the only way I can do them. Yeah, you want to be raw and honest, Mike. I want to just be, you know, doing. open with the audience, you know? Yeah. Just like the, I want them to see the real me, Gray. Yeah. That's that's all you want. They want you want you want the world to gaze upon the real Mike and love him. Please love me. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Like, Ugh. comment, and subscribe. Ugh. Gross. One thing that's been hilarious to me over the course of my YouTube career is that basically <laughs> your YouTube career now. Yep, your it's YouTube my YouTube career, career so far. Is that basically, I think the day, the day that I kind of started taking it seriously and publishing the videos was the day that PewDiePie's Tuba Simulator was released. And we spoke about this game (laughs) a bunch as like, it was basically PewDiePie's mobile game in which you play a YouTuber. And I basically consider this the dark look at reality that is PewDiePie's Tuba Simulator. Okay, what what do you mean by the dark look at reality here? So you play this mobile game where you are making YouTube videos in such a sense as like you click a button and then it's recorded, edited, and viewed, and then the views start coming in. The more views you get, the more items you can buy, and it kind of upgrade the room that you're in, right? Mm-hmm. And then you adorn your room with things. You make it more lavish, you make the room bigger over time, that kind of stuff. Now, some of the things that I consider to be the dark look at reality. So, your character in the game is is you, um, and this character never moves from the desk. <laughs> this character sits in front of a computer constantly, and there is mm-hmm. nothing you can do to make them get up. And all they do is sit there... And you are making them grind through making videos just to generate views. And you are, like, focusing on what's trending to make the video that's going to get the most views, right? And there's things that you can do. And every now and then the sponsor eagle drops something present on you. And there are just, like, the and it's, like, the more views you're able to get, the more things you're able to buy... 
it's like this twisted look on what it's like to be a YouTuber. It's it's kind of fascinating to me. Mainly because your character just sits there, floating sits in a little there. room in empty space. Right, just on a desk with nothing else to do. And you're buying things to put in the room around you, but you mm. never get to experience them because you have to sit and grind and make more videos to get more views. It is kind of existentially bleak when you think about it that way. It is. A person sitting there just to make everybody love them. And then when I start to think about it, right, like I've been thinking a lot about this game, I think about who made it. Mm-hmm. Right? And the, I guess the creative vision for this game is the most popular YouTuber in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's just this really kind of like strange view on this stuff. Yeah, I, I did. I did because we, we've uh, discussed PewDiePie a surprisingly large amount on this show. And I think at one point we mentioned how the, the Tuber Simulator seemed like an obvious project for him. Like, I, I find his growing business empire like a very interesting thing to observe from a distance so i i, I definitely thought like oh when this comes out i have to download it and just give it a try and kind of kind of see what it's like uh but yeah it, it it is it is kind of strange and one thing it, it actually made me think of is a black mirror episode one of my favorite episodes it's called uh I forget the exact title, but something like 100 million points, I think, is, is the episode title. Mm-hmm. But in, the, in that episode, everybody just like kind of lives their own life in their own little world, in their own little room, doing their own things. Like everybody's kind of very isolated for a large portion of the time. And so when I'm thinking about, I mean, he has millions of downloads. I'm thinking about millions of people playing these little characters each of which are in tiny rooms that don't go anywhere, yep. that are totally isolated from each other. It, there's something about it that is very Black Mirror to me, right? It's, it's, it's yeah, it's very, very, like, I think there's real strong parallels between that episode and the physical look of this game and what it actually encourages in the players of the game. Like, I, I honestly cannot look at this game and not see it as a social commentary. <laughs> and I'm being deadly serious. Like, I feel like that there is an element in here of PewDiePie expressing something, which I think he has been expressing in some videos recently. Like, just this look at what it's like to be someone who does this type of stuff. And mm. it's kind of fascinating to me. Like, I was watching a video of his recently where it ended at like seven minutes and then he just came back and was like, I've got to do another two minutes because we need 10 minute videos. Right. Because I assume that there's some kind of like thing about YouTube's algorithm, which means it likes 10 minute videos. I That's what I took from that. But like there, he's kind of doing this weird thing at the moment where he's like pulling back the curtain. Yeah. And at like what it's like to live his type of life. And this game, I think, is a real example of that. And it's just fascinating to me. The other part of it is this is game. This game is probably the best free to play game I have ever played from a mechanics perspective. Really? Hmm. I play this game and can see that it was directed by somebody who understands video games. Mm-hmm. I tend to spend money in free to play games if I really like them. Mm-hmm. 
because I'm putting time into them and I kind of want the games to move along. And or like, and it doesn't really bother me because if I've played the game for a bunch of hours, I don't mind giving them five pounds because yeah, yeah. I've I've played a bunch of the game. I haven't needed to do that in this game, like because there is just a real way of progressing easily if you just watch some ads. Mm-hmm. Like the watching of ads in this game actually has a real benefit on the way that the game plays in a way that I find is typically not the case for other free-to-play games Hmm. like there's always like an element of needing to speed things up in a different way but there's like multiple ways of doing it you can watch a you can watch an ad to advance the clock a little bit more and then you can spend some of the views that you accumulate to take percentages out of the time it takes to generate items and it's like i have not needed to spend any money and also Mm. one of the really really interesting things about this game is the currency in the game is views which again i think is hilarious your youtube views are currency which you use Mm. to buy things you cannot turn real world money into views right you can't yeah you can't buy views in the game which again i have to say i can't look at that and not see a wink there what what do you think is the wink there? Money does not buy you views. Like just that like doesn't matter how much money you put into it, it doesn't mean you'll get views out of it. Hmm. Right? And again, it's just, I can't help. I mean, I'm I'm definitely overthinking this. Yeah, but you're, you're like a you're like a a film student here. Yeah, I'm about looking at it like a Shakespeare. Every single page, right? <laughs> <laughs> the opening shot tells you everything about the movie. It's everything you need to know. It harkens back to Godfather. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like all movies do. Citizen Kane is just with throughout this entire piece. Yeah. Um but like that idea though is is really interesting. It's like it's encouraging you to actually play the game, right? Mm. To do the things you're supposed to do in the game. And I just find it like it's just really sticky for me. I have been playing it every single day since it came out for like 2 weeks. I really you are like an it. Addict. <laughs> I, but I'm not putting any money in. Mm-hmm. Like the ads are like thirty seconds long. I press play on the ad and typically put my phone down. Some of them I've watched, but yeah, I I just think it's it's really really well made. Like it really does just scream to me of somebody that understands how these games are made and played. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I I played it because I figured oh it'll probably come up on on the show at some point and I want to be familiar with it it has been a long running topic <laughs> yeah and and yes like I, I do i do agree that perhaps the first video that ever got me into pewdiepie is still one of my favorites is him playing the youtube youtuber life game. yeah which yeah, it's he, i think he said later he was already working on this game when he played that which is kind of hilarious yeah but is it, that that video is is like an amazing meta commentary on youtube and being pewdiepie and it's 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 fabulous um but yeah, so I, I figured I just I do want to play this just to have a have a sense of it, and I'll I'll agree with you that as far as these things go, it is it is a free to play game that doesn't feel like it's trying to suck the money right out of your wallet. Which every every other game like this I have ever played, they just slow things down so incredibly dramatically mm-hmm. very quickly. Like so, you just you just have to put money into it. Um, but it, I I it, it, for me anyway, I, it's it's weird because I had a lot of people tweeting at me and sending me messages about the game because i you know i talk about like i i enjoy work simulator type games but this to me is just 
I don't know. This is, this is, it's not for me because I feel like with a lot of these free to play games, I don't know. The mechanics are just too on the surface for me. Like, like the, I can never play these things without feeling like all I'm doing is constantly resetting a bunch of clocks, right? That, that, that's all this is, is just winding up a bunch of timers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. And waiting for them to go off. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's what, that's what these free to play games are. And I know that that's fundamentally like a ridiculous comparison because all video games are something like this, right? What are you doing? What are you doing collecting all those items in World of Warcraft? Like you're just manipulating true false uh, variables in an array. Like you're not doing anything. Um, All all games are like this, but I, I personally find these games, it's it's like, it's just, it's just too exposed the mechanics of of the game to me it's like the curtain is pulled a little bit too far back and i also think these these games by their very nature lean really hard on some of the more vulnerable levers of the human mind for for getting you to keep coming back like to getting you to keep checking it and keep winding those clocks back up to, to make them go off later. So I did put it on my phone cause I wanted to just play around with it for a little bit, but I, very quickly I was like, I just have to take this off my phone because I, I don't even, I don't even want this kind of thing on my phone. Uh, and I just left it on my iPad to kind of play around with a little bit when uh, I was watching TV and just not doing something else. But for free to play games, I will agree that it's, it's very well designed and it does not force you to pay money to, to play it, but it's, it's not something that's going to stick with me for, for a long time. This is when I say I like work simulator games, like this is not at all what I mean. (laughs) There's no real work in it. Yeah. And as, as dumb as it sounds like I, I, I find like it's too obviously disconnected from the things that you're doing. Like you Mm -hmm. press a button to make a video and then like views, like, but there's, it's not actually simulating any work. Everything is just bizarrely disconnected so that the, the YouTube-ness just feels like a very thin skin on top of all of these clocks that you're winding up, right? Like, mm-hmm. wh- wh- why is this clock views? Like, because uh, it's YouTube themed, right? So it has to be views. That That's why it's views. You know, uh, wh- why do all of these things happen? It's like they're all, they're all a bunch of clocks. But I, I do give it a lot of credit for the elements of designing your own rooms, right? And, and this kind of wish fulfillment of of like, you have done this thing. Like you have like upgraded your computer and you've upgraded your desk uh, and, and you filled your room with all of these things that you want. Like, I I understand why, why that is appealing. Uh, I, I I really do. And, And again, as far as these things go, it's pretty well designed, but it's not for me, but I do have, I do have a question for you, Mike. Mm hmm. Where do you have more subscribers? YouTube <laughs> or Tuber Simulator? Tuber Simulator. And I think I probably always will. 